Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. Our text this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, and Jesus is just getting out on his ministry. He's really just starting. And it's, it's like no matter what he does, he manages to, to get the denominational officials angry at him. And uh, so here he is up in Galilee, and some people bring him a man who's paralyzed, and they land down in front of him, and Jesus looks at him and says, your sins are forgiven. That's not what the guy came for. But the religious types were all watching carefully. And they said, well, who does he think he is? Nobody has any authority to forgive sins but God. Jesus said, well, which is easier for me to say your sins are forgiven or pick up your mat and walk? So Jesus said, pick up your mat and walk. And he did. And he went. And everyone watching saw this and were struck with fear because they didn't understand who this man is. Who could this be? What kind of person is this? And Jesus, walking along from there, saw one of the most detested people in the first century world of Palestine. And that was a tax collector. Tax collectors were ordinarily Jewish people but they were in collaboration with Rome. So they were compromisers, and and they got paid by fleecing the people. So the actual tax might have been $10, but they're collecting $15, and they, they keep the difference. So they were hated, detested people. Hear the word of God as it comes to us from the ninth chapter of John. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable people. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with such scum? And Jesus heard this. He said, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, Now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call those who, not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. May God add his understanding to this hearing of his word. So Jesus calls his disciples, and in this case, we've got this very hated person. And when you look at the the spectrum of those who constitute the disciples, one has to wonder, what was Jesus thinking? 
So here is this man, Matthew, also known as Levi, and, and he is, he's, he's hated. But also among the disciples was a man named Simon, who was a zealot. The zealots were those who were advocating for an uprising to overthrow Rome. I mean, I wonder if, as those boys slept at night, if there weren't times when, when Simon was sneaking over with a knife to slit Matthew's throat. I mean, it was like, it was as if Jesus were to recruit both Don Lemon and Sean Hannity to be in the, among his disciples. And, and what was Jesus thinking by bringing such people together and putting them in the same group, supposedly working together? Well, we would like to see more of that happen, of course. We'd like to see a less antipathy and a little bit more cooperation in our government and in our media and all of that. But Jesus knew what he was doing. He brought people in together who were very different from one another. And he did so with the intentionality that those differences might be seen for what they are, and that is irrelevant. What really matters is the human soul, human persons. What matters is that every single person is made in the image and likeness of God, and all those categories were irrelevant. So Jesus brought them all in. He also brought in Simon Peter and his brother Andrew, James and his brother John, and the four of those were out of flyover country. These were not people from the religious elite. These were working people. These were regular people. And Jesus brought in these kinds of people, along with these others, about whom we know very little, but like, like Bartholomew is one. Jesus says, here's one who has no guile, an Israelite with no guile. And, and so Jesus brings them all together, and he's working on creating a, a body of people that represented, in some way, the whole world, all types were in some way reflected in this gathering that was the disciples. Because as you know, Jesus, when he was all done, had to rely on the disciples, those who were there, those who believed, to carry on the mission of the church and to bring about his will for the world. Through those, those young men, and to teach them to live with one another, to love one another, to care for one another, and to realize their differences are irrelevant. The only thing that's relevant is this mission that they were on. You know, that is one of the primary reasons why we do our issues hour. And that is that we, we discuss these issues as a way of demonstrating they're not that important. What's really important are the flesh and blood people who are sitting in that room or those who are zooming in. That's what really matters. And so Matthew has his collection of friends. <laughs> and you can imagine somebody who was hated, wanted to be with people, perhaps that likewise were hated. 
because they had that in common. I mean, where is a hated person to find friends but those with whom he might find solidarity? And so he he gathers around himself more tax collectors, and the scriptures use some idioms when they refer to sinners. They're typically talking about people of the street, prostitutes, and such as that. So Jesus goes and, and has a meal with them. He's sitting down with them. And in other words, what he's doing is ritually making himself unclean. Because good religious people avoid those kinds of folks. Good religious people separate themselves off from such as this. And so Jesus never was concerned about his, his own purity, his reputation. If it was knowing a person by the company they keep, well, Jesus was not at all worried about that. As a matter of fact, he would like us to infer his character from the company he keeps, from the very people that he identified with and located himself with. And as you see the ministry of Jesus unfolding one person at a time, it's a so often a detested or a marginalized person with whom he spends his time and dedicates himself. And yet we in the church have, we've managed to oftentimes, not here, this being the best church in the world. But we have, religious people have had a tendency also to sort of sequester themselves off. So I ran into Gordon and Sonia coming in this morning, and as I was chatting with them, I noticed a beer can and a beer bottle in the shrubs right out here. And of course I joked that they had been here earlier and but I wonder, someone from the restaurant, and I've seen this before, came here under the shelter of the church. Maybe not comfortable to come here on a Sunday morning. Maybe just coming into a place where they felt like they were in the arena of what God was doing. I mean, how many people have we known that, well, I wouldn't go to church. I, I don't want to go and feel judged. I know of a pastor who was doing a Bible study, and, and uh, downstairs they had a, an AA group meeting. And he happened into one of the women who was leaving that, that evening, and and after a chat with her, she was having a very hard time. And, and he said, well, you're welcome to come to church. And that's what she said. Why would I come to church? I don't, I don't want to just go and feel judged. But she didn't go. And it reminds me, um, if... 
if I'm driving along and want to feel really smug and important, I'll listen to classical music. If I want to feel really normal, I listen to country music. And this is one of my favorites. I'm not going to read it word for word, but I've kind of edited it out a little bit by Toby Keith. We got winners, we got losers, chain smokers and boozers. And we got yuppies, we got bikers, we got thirsty hitchhikers. We got cowboys, we got truckers, we got broken-hearted fools and suckers. We got hustlers, we got fighters, early birds and all-nighters. I've seen short skirts, we got high techs, blue-collared boys and rednecks. And we got lovers and we got lookers, dancing girls and hookers. And we got divorcees and, big, and a big bouncer man, an old jukebox and a real bad band. We got waitresses, we got barflies, a dumb jerk and a wise guy. I love this bar. It's my kind of place. Just walking through the front door puts a big smile on my face. It ain't too far. Come as you are. Hmm, I love this bar. I love this church. That's a picture of the church. And why is it that one would find comfort in a bar when Jesus brought comfort to such a gathering as this. When Jesus himself identified with these down and outers, these people without any status whatsoever, with the broken, the hurting, you realize that if somebody had leprosy or if somebody had an affliction, deaf or blind or whatever it may be, the righteous considered him an outcast or her an outcast because that affliction happened because of their sin. So the outcast had to find somebody to identify with because they didn't want to go and feel judged. And they would in all likelihood feel judged by the religious establishment. You see, Jesus entered into a culture that had a hierarchy of religiousness. And that hierarchy was established by obedience to law. So those who were really obedient were the ones who, the, who were, were set apart. Those were the ones who were in charge of things. They were the ones who made decisions for other people, whether or not they were acceptable. They were the ones who had power. And they were also the ones that Jesus called hypocrites. Brood of vipers. The religious righteous types. Jesus pointed out to them in the Sermon on the Mount that if they, if they even lust after a woman, that's as good as adultery with her. And they they were undone by that. And if they hated, that was as good as murdering another person. And they were undone by that. And when a woman was dragged in front of Jesus, who was caught in the very act of adultery, one at a time they had to leave because Jesus said, let you without sin throw the first stone. 
And even the religious types had to walk away. So the church, church is to be a place that, well, as the Apostle Paul reminds us, this is what you were at one time. This is how you all were. That's, that's our roots. That's where we've come from. We might be a little bit better than somebody else, but we don't come with any kind of righteousness that qualifies us to come into those doors. If anything, whoever left that bottle and that can out there are so welcome to be here on a Sunday morning. Although it could have been one of you. So Jesus, Jesus identifies with and locates himself among the most detested, the marginal one, marginalized. He's hanging out with Antifa and with Proud Boys. Doesn't matter to him because he sees beyond all those categories and looks to the person, looks to the heart. And that's where he speaks. That's where he identifies. And only those who would presume to be better does Jesus hold in discussion. Only them. He says, I want, I don't want your sacrifices. I want mercy. I want you to show mercy. I want you to show grace and acceptance. Your self-sacrificial manner and attitude and, and this, this whole religious system that sort of qualifies us. Jesus says, that's not what I want. I take no joy in that. Don't bring me your fatted calves. Bring me your joy. Our Father finds great joy when his children have joy. Why would we not understand that? Somehow we think that we, we have to earn the acceptance of God? Well, you know, I have three obstreperous, blonde-haired, blue-eyed little devils in Oregon that uh, range up to five years old. And um, so... Christopher, David, and little Luke. And I, just out of the blue, having heard about this game called Papa Shot, Papa Shot, it's two basketball hoops with a scoreboard in between, and it's got this canvas thing that collects the, the small balls, and, and they, you compete to try to out, outshoot the other guy. And I thought, I'm going to send it to these guys. <laughs> I got a video on my phone from, from my daughter, Amy. And the boys were having so much fun. It was so good. And I, I don't need credit. I just, I just am happy as their grandfather to see them having so much fun. I loved it. Now, I could have sent, sent them 
a copy of G.K. Chesterton's Orthodoxy <laughs> and watch them try to understand what that meant. And that could have been pleasing. But when I see these kids having a blast, having so much fun, I get great joy. And I laugh inside. Why would our God be any different? Do we really think that God is finding great joy when we are just gritting our teeth and gutting it out? He knows we're broken. He knows we're fallen. He knows we make mistakes. He knows we try to do the right thing. We end up doing the wrong thing. We, we try to do good things. We do bad things. He knows that about us. He also knows that when we are living life to the full, when we're caring for one another, when we're laughing with each other, why wouldn't that bring God joy? I believe it does. Picture that dinner. Presumably, Matthew and all of his friends with Jesus there were in all likelihood eating too much and drinking too much because Jesus hung out with those kind of people. He was accused of being a drunkard and a glutton. So that night... There was, a prob- there was in all likelihood an awful lot of laughter going on. Maybe some inappropriate things going on. Maybe a lot of things that would get righteous people upset. But Jesus was there with them. He was with them. And, and showing love to them, the love of the Father. And I believe that Jesus also knew how to laugh at a good joke. That he knew how to be with others and and let them know how loved they are, no matter what it is they're going through. This whole list of things coming out of Toby Keith, Jesus was there with them. Jesus is here with us. And the reality is we we don't have to pretend that we're not, that we're something that we aren't. We can just be who we are. We can love each other with all of our faults, with all of our shortcomings, with all the bad things that happen in our lives and all the bad things that we do in our lives to be the church and to bring no pretense about being better than anyone else. To be here, love one another, care for one another, and just be the church. Will you join me in prayer? Our Father, the only qualification that we have for being here is that we've said yes to you and your love. Apart from that, O oh Lord, we, we try. We want to do the right thing, and we try. Sometimes we do, sometimes we fail. But Lord, we belong to you. And thank you that by your grace we do. And thank you, O Lord, that as you walk with us, we're finding what it means to walk in the fullness and newness of life. 
We thank you, O Lord, and in Jesus' name. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.